the reading is Exodus 17, verse 8, uh, through to chapter 18, verse 27. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and called it, The Lord is my banner. He said, Because hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord, the Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. Now Jethro, the priest of Midian and father-in-law of Moses, heard of everything God had done for Moses and for his people Israel and how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. After Moses had sent away his wife Zipporah, his father-in-law Jethro received her and her two sons. One son was named Gershom, for Moses said, I have become a foreigner in a foreign land. And the other was named Eleazar, For he said, My father's God was my helper. He saved me from the sword of Pharaoh. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, together with Moses' sons and wife, came to him in the wilderness, where he was camped near the mountain of God. Jethro had sent word to him, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. They greeted each other and then went into the tent. Moses told his father-in-law about everything the Lord had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake and about all the hardships they had met along the way and how the Lord had saved them. Jethro was delighted to hear about all the good things the Lord had done for Israel in rescuing them from the hand of the Egyptians. He said, "'Praise be to the Lord who rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and of Pharaoh,' who rescued the people from the, from the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all other gods, for he did this to those who had treated Israel arrogantly. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and other sacrifices to God, and Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat a meal with Moses' father-in-law in the presence of God. The next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people, and they stood around him from morning till eve. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, What is this you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? Moses answered him, Because the people come to me to seek God's will, whenever they have a dispute, It is brought to me. 
I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Moses' father-in-law replied, What you are doing is not good. You You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen to me now to me, and I will give you some advice. And may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. But select capable men from all the people. Men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times but have them bring every difficult case to you. The simple cases they can decide themselves. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. He chose capable men from all Israel and made them leaders of the people, officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties and tens. They served as judges for the people at all times. The difficult cases they brought to Moses, but the simple ones they decided themselves. Then Moses sent his father-in-law on his way and Jethro returned to his own country. Well, it'll help enormously if you have a Bible and have it open at that passage in Exodus 17. Why don't we pray, ask God for his help as we approach uh, the Bible. Loving Father God, we know that nothing happens apart from your Spirit's work in our hearts and minds and so we pray tonight that you would be present with us so work to change us to be more like uh, your son, Jesus. And we pray in his name. Amen. Uh, At the end of uh, this time, we're going to sing and then there's going to be time for questions. Here at Union Church, we love asking uh, questions of the Bible. Uh, We think that there's more to say than just the next 20 minutes has uh, in store for us. So as we go, if you can... Uh, if you have any uh, thoughts that pop into your mind that you'd like to ask about, about this passage in particular, uh, then please do jot them down. There'll be a time to ask later. I don't know if you've ever experienced uh, this, but delegating can be pretty rubbish. Uh, just have a think back to your last uh, uni group assignment. Uh, how did that go? Uh, you divide up the tasks... Uh, delegate something to each person and then inevitably they let you down. Uh, comes back late, uh, half-finished and then it's more work for you to kind of pick up the pieces and pull it all together than if you'd just done it yourself in the first place. Uh, my uh, first experience of having something delegated to me was uh, at work. Uh, I graduated uni, started work as an engineer and basically I didn't know how to do anything and so my boss said, look, Just uh, make a copy of this for me. And so he gave me this uh, report, just this super fat, heavy thing. And so I trotted across to the photocopier, uh, put it in the little feeder chute, and it sucked all these pages in. took ages. It's just this hundreds of these pages. 
and uh, then it starts churning them out. And I'm, I'm waiting at the photocopier and a kind of a queue of important people in the company is, is forming behind me and I'm like, I'm sorry, it's just it's this report. And uh, then one of them said, oh, you should check your copy. And I looked down at the kind of the out tray and they're all coming in, coming out blank because I've put the whole stack upside down the wrong, the wrong way and so it's photocopied the blank side. And so we stand there uh, pointlessly as my blank imaginary copies just continue to file out for the next minute or so and then I take the, the report and walk away. <laughs> And I feel like, in a nutshell, that is the experience of delegating, is it not? That you could kind of just do it yourself. Uh, And here in Exodus, uh, we get this odd little story of uh, Jethro giving advice to Moses about delegating. It's weird, isn't it? It, It's uh, just this little bit of productivity advice just snuck into the Bible. And that's after uh, this strange account of uh, fighting the Amalekites uh, with Moses raising his hands and then getting tired and then people propping his hands up. What is going on with that? Why are these two stories uh, here? Uh, What are they doing in the flow of of Exodus? Well, we're going to work that out tonight with a compare and contrast exercise. Uh, Back to Year 12 English, compare and contrast, uh, these Uh, two incidents, we're going to see that they actually help to make sense of each other. Uh, So first we're going to see the contrast, and then we're going to uh, compare to see what they have in common. And what we're going to find out is we're going to find out something about how God works. How God works. So let's do the contrast. The main point of contrast between these two stories is the manner in which Israel is approached. So first up, we've got the Amalekites there in verse 8 chapter 17. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Okay, so that's a negative approach coming to attack. Uh, You can't get any more aggressive than that. Uh, And in fact, what it does is it starts a permanent hostility with the Amalekites. We're told that the Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. They have set themselves against God, set themselves as Israel's enemies. Now, in contrast, Jethro comes with a greeting. Uh, Now, you might think, well, he's Moses' father-in-law, of course he's going to come with a greeting, he's hardly likely to come and attack. Uh, But notice why he decides to come to Moses, verse 1 of chapter 18. Now, Jethro, the priest of Midian and father-in-law of Moses heard of everything God had done for Moses and for his people Israel and how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. So Jethro is the priest of Midian, another foreign nation, but he comes full of excitement. He's heard about the great things that God has done, about uh, how God has rescued them out of Egypt. And in fact, verses 1 to 12, chapter 18, are all about that. Have a listen again. I'm going to pick out a few verses. Verse 1. Now Jethro heard of everything God had done for Moses and for his people Israel, and how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Verse 4. The name of Moses' son. The other was named Eliezer. 
For he said, my father's God was my helper and he saved me from the sword of Pharaoh. Verse 8, Moses told his father-in-law about everything the Lord had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake. Verse 9, Jethro was delighted to hear about all the good things the Lord had done for Israel in rescuing them from the hand of the Egyptians. Verse 10, praise be to the Lord who rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and of Pharaoh and who rescued the people from the hand of the Egyptians. I'm not sure if you picked it up, it was quite subtle, uh, but there is a brief mention of the hand of the Egyptians and God's uh, rescue over and over. God has rescued, God has saved them from Egypt. And it's Jethro who brings this about. In fact, Jethro does something amazing. He acts out what God was always intending from the beginning. Uh, Think back several weeks uh, to uh, previous bits of Exodus as we've covered. Why does God say that he's rescuing his people, pulling them out of Egypt? Uh, Well, chapter 9, verse 14 Uh, says this, I will send the full force of my plagues against you and against your officials and your people. Uh, This is being said to Pharaoh. God's going to do this, so you may know that there is no one like me in all the earth. And what does Jethro say? Verse uh, 11, chapter 18. Now I know Now I know that the Lord is greater than all other gods, for he did this to those who treated Israel arrogantly. And think back, the the reason Moses said they had to leave Egypt uh, was to offer sacrifices in the wilderness to their God. Uh, But Moses doesn't do that. Uh, Who does it? Jethro does it. Verse 12, Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and other sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat a meal with Moses' father-in-law in the presence of God. See what's happening? Jethro is fulfilling God's purpose. This foreigner is bringing this, this sacrifice of thanksgiving to God for all that he's done. And that's the contrast. The nations are divided over Israel. On the one hand, the Amalekites come and they attack. They stand against God's people. But then this Midianite comes and he kickstarts worship of God, recognizing uh, the true God over all as he sees what God has done for his people, Israel. Uh, as a church, St. Matthews has mission partners all around the world, people who are working to bring the good news of Jesus uh, to other nations, nations that don't know about Jesus. And I must confess that. Sometimes it feels like an impossible task. Uh, As I think about uh, people like Peter and Damaris or Brit, uh, Jill, uh, people serving in the Middle East, I think it's it's just how difficult it must be to, to kind of, to bring the gospel there. Except that's what God does. That's entirely what he does brings the gospel to, to foreign nations. His, his purpose is to divide the nations, for the, the message of the gospel to go out and for some to listen and repent and be drawn to worship and for some to be set against him. In the Old Testament, that took the form of Israel. As people reacted to Israel, they were reacting to God. 
either standing against his purposes or drawn into the true worship of the true God. And so now the exact same thing happens as people announce the the gospel of Jesus. As Jill uh, tells Bible stories uh, to women in the Middle East, some hear and they turn in worship and others continue set against God. But the nations hear and the gospel divides them. Uh, Not just nation by nation, but person by person as the good news of Jesus is declared. So, compare and contrast. That's, that's the contrast. But how do you compare these two stories? Uh, the, the battle and then Jethro's advice. Because they seem completely different, right? Completely different types of stories. But let's dig in a bit to the passage. And what we'll see is that there's some really specific things uh, that happen in both episodes. And that's going to uh, help us see the point. Uh, So first, we see that both events happen tomorrow. Uh, They're in 17.9 and then in 18.13. That happens the next day. In both of these events, uh, Moses sits down. They put a stone under him uh, during the battle and then he sits down to judge. And both of these events take all day. Uh, Moses has to hold his hands up until sunset And when he's judging, there in 1814, uh, we're told that the people stand around from morning till evening. So there's all these similarities between these stories. It's not just a coincidence. And there's more. In both the stories, Moses gets tired. Uh, In both of them, uh, he needs help for him to continue on. And in both accounts, we're told that specific men were chosen uh, for a task, chosen to fight there in chapter 17, verse 9, and chosen uh, to judge in 18, verse 25. So what's this all about? Is this really about how to delegate, how to get things done, how to work in a team, how to negotiate your next group assignment? Well, sort of. It sort of is about delegation, but not quite how you'd think. It's not advice given to us about how we delegate. It's not going to help us with our our group assignments. Uh, The whole Bible is about God. It's about God's plan to rescue his lost world. And right here, right at this point in Exodus, we're at a transition point in that story. We're just about to reach Mount Sinai, uh, this uh, amazing point in the story of God's people where he forms them into a nation, gives them their constitution explains to them who they are, how they're meant to live. And it's this transition point too in how God works with his people. In how God works with his people. Because up until this point in Exodus, God has done everything. Uh, The plagues, the Passover, the Red Sea, everything. Israel's just been passengers. They're just along for the ride. And it's been God's awesome power that achieves everything for them. But here, for the first time, we see Israel doing something. They fight. Uh, Verse 13 of chapter 17. Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Joshua's there doing it. But Exodus wants us to know that this is still God's battle. This is still God doing it. God is still the one in control. So what is the decisive 
factor in this battle. What is the ultimate weapon here? What is the set of infinity stones that is gathered here at this point? Am I wildly out of touch with that reference? No. What does the damage? The same thing that's always done the damage all the way through Exodus. It's the staff of God. Chapter 17, verse 9, Tomorrow I'll stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. God gives Israel the victory. When Moses holds up the staff, they win. And when he uh, drops his hands, they lose. It is God's battle. Uh, the, the hands going up and down, that's not a magic trick. It, it's telling us something. that Actually, it's God's power. It's not just Joshua's fighting skill. And it's introducing for us something new to learn about how God works with his people. That God works through weak people. That Israel is out there fighting, but uh, it's, it's really God's fight. Israel fight and God fights. And Israel win when they fight in God's strength. That's what uh, the, the staff is symbolising, that when they fight in God's strength, that's when they win. And from here on, that will be true in Israel's life, in war, but also in their society. Uh, God will rule them, but he'll do it through his word, uh, through his instructions, and through human agents. Uh, Beforehand, uh, everything ran through Moses, right? Uh, He was God's mouthpiece. God spoke directly to him, and every dispute was resolved by him. But now, God will still rule, but he'll do it through Weak people knowing his word and putting it into practice. Uh, So, have a look at Jethro's advice uh, in chapter 18, verse 19. He says to Moses, You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. But select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties and tens. So Moses is still God's representative. He's still the final judge. God is still the one in control, but he's to teach God's instructions to the people and he's to use capable people, uh, men who fear God, Uh, to put that into practice, to put God's law into action. And so God's people fight through God's power and God's people rule through his word. So it is about delegation, kind of, but it's not about our delegation, it's about God's delegation. It's about how God works through weak people to achieve his eternal purposes. And they are weak people. You get that impression from, from both of these stories that Moses is weak. He can't handle it. He can't even keep his hands raised. And they're beset by sin. Moses needs to choose people uh, who are trustworthy, who hate dishonest gain, because it's such a problem for people. People are weak. They fail to fight. They fail to rule as they should. But that's what God does. This is how he's saying he's going to work. He uses weak people to bring about his purposes. And what's his ultimate purpose? Well, we saw that in the contrast. 
His ultimate purpose is to draw the nations to himself. And so God uses weak people for that purpose, to draw the nations back to him. And that is exactly what we see when we turn to the New Testament. We see that's still how God works. God uses weak people for his purpose, to draw the nations back to himself. Uh, So, if you have a Bible, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It's also on the screen in an enormous font, uh, but if you've got a Bible, it's worth flicking there as well. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul is talking about his ministry, his work to bring this uh, good news of Jesus uh, to the world, and here's what he says. 2 Corinthians 5 from verse 18. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting man's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. You see that? The the purpose of God is to reconcile the world to himself. But how does he do it? By committing that message of reconciliation to people, to weak people, like Paul. Uh, The chapter before, uh, Paul says this, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not us. He chooses weak people. A a jar of clay is equivalent to a paper cup, uh, something weak and easily used up and thrown away. God uses us in our weakness. That's who he uses to spread this message to the world. This incredible message that brings both judgment and reconciliation. But God uh, works through people like you and me. And I think you see this in action. I think you see it in action in people's testimonies. So, because I'm a pastor, I have the privilege of hearing lots of people's stories, uh, how people became Christians. And uh, a few things come up all the time as I hear people's stories. Uh, I haven't done a full-on research paper with, uh, you know, surveys and all the rest, but this is just my anecdotal evidence uh, from listening to lots of people's stories. I think you find uh, three elements all the time that come up. Uh, The first element that I hear all the time uh, is that there are Christians involved. Uh, That is, whether it's Christian parents or Christian friends or uh, a lovely old uh, Christian woman down the street uh, who just prayed regularly uh, for someone. Uh, There's always Christians in the story. And so there it is, you you see this in action, Uh, God working through his people uh, to bring this message of reconciliation. Uh, The second element that you hear all the time, or that I hear all the time, is the Bible. Somewhere along the line, the Bible is involved. Either they they come and hear a Bible talk at church, uh, they maybe get a Bible, get hold of one, read it for themselves, or a friend sits down with them and reads uh, one of the Gospels of Jesus with them. And again, that's how God works, isn't it? Uh, God working through His people by His Word 
to bring reconciliation. And the third consistent element is the surprise one. Uh, the, the third element that I frequently hear in people's testimonies uh, is Christians saying something stupid. Uh, absolutely no joke. It happens all the time. Uh, in people, when people t- tell me how they became a Christian, it frequently involves a Christian who just blurted something out, something that kind of wasn't in context, uh, wasn't appropriate for the moment, but they just said something about Jesus. Jesus is everything to me. Uh, I wish you'd become a Christian. Just some, something out there uh, about heaven or hell or just they say something. And you think, how is that working, right? How is that effective? Um, but somehow it does. Christians say stuff about Jesus and God uses that. Uh, it, very rarely do I hear a story uh, where some really highly uh, sophisticated evangelistic manoeuvre was involved. Uh, it's really just uh, Christians who say something about Jesus and God uses that. Why does God do that? Why does God work that way? Uh, you know, we hate delegating because other people always let you down. Uh, they, they never do a good enough job. And so we find it so frustrating. How is God not frustrated that he's employing people so ill-equipped to do this thing? But nothing frustrates God, right? God is achieving his purposes and he will do it no matter what. And so he chooses uh, to include weak people so that it's clear that all the glory goes to him. But he includes us out of his grace, out of his kindness. What a joy, what a privilege to be involved in God's work to call a lost and desperate world back to him. He does it out of his love, out of his generosity to share his glory, to make others part of his purposes to bring the world back to him. That's what God's like. Uh, If you're not a Christian, then know that that is the kind of God uh, that the Bible talks about. One who is full of grace, not selfish in uh, hoarding things to himself, but uh, able and willing to use weak people for his purposes. Because that is how God works. He takes weak people who can't do it on their own and he works through them by his word to rule and to judge and most of all, to save.